Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Rocky Five, man, that, that movie will make you want to cry to think about all that Rocky had, and he had to move out because of his damn wife's brother. It's Wes. I give that man all the credit in the world for not killing him because I would have <laughs> took him out in the backyard and beat those ribs up Ooh. like I was about to put them on the grill. And Walker. This is Top of the Dome, by the way, with the ribs grill reference. Incredible stuff. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. That man would have had cracked ribs and all types of crack stuff for signing over my pal Vuitton. It's the 1 o'clock hour on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ discussing the disappointing start to the season for the Carolina Panthers after falling 0-4 with the loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Who better to talk about all of the Carolina Panthers' struggles than Joe Person, who joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can find him on Twitter, at Joseph Person, and you can find his work on The Athletic. Great coverage, as always. Joe, we appreciate the time. How are you? What's going on, bud? It's going okay. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to make the best of it here in Panther Land. <laughs> we're we're trying our yeah. best, trying to figure out where to point the finger. And, and Joe, look, let's go to the old classic. Let's play some rank radio, shall we? It's a classic that we'll play here quite a bit on Wesson Walker. And I just wanted to know from you, uh, based off preseason expectations compared to the results that we've been given, where does this rank among the most surprising starts to a Panther season, based off what you thought was going to happen at the beginning? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, am I surprised they're zero and four? I am. I, I, I didn't think they were going to be three and one. I mean, I mean, I don't know that I even thought they'd be two and two, but I didn't think they'd go zero and four. So I guess mildly surprising. Um, the, the the second half of this schedule always felt a little easier. Not even the second half, but kind of that October schedule. It, it would. Uh, <laughs> after you get past the, the Dolphins and, and the Lions, I guess that is. But I, I don't know. It, it, any way you slice it, it's been a, a, a pretty terrible start to the Bryce Young and Frank Reich eras, which which will forever be linked. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I thought we'd see some more splash plays out of both of those guys. I thought we'd see Reich calling a few more and Bryce making a couple. And it's just been, you know, their their best offensive game was the one where, where Bryce Young was on the sideline. And look, I get it. it like it's a hard position, and and guys come to it. Some some rookies, you know, don't don't ever really turn it on until you know their second or third year if if they have the luxury to sit on the bench. But it's just, it's it's just, and I've seen some good things out of Bryce. Like I'm not ready to flush. It. I mean, it, it does, the, 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 the comparison to Stroud and Richardson is real and will forever be real, and those guys have gotten off to nice starts. But, you know, I, I just haven't seen a ton, and, and there hadn't been a lot of help for Bryce Young, either in the form of playmakers or protection. 
But uh, I think I think the coaching staff needs to help them out more as well. Well, I, I think a lot of people agree with you, Joe, and that's where I wanted to go next because there are some people, very smart people, that evaluate NFL games all weekend long watching this Panthers offense not be very creative, throw another and another and another screen pass, particularly to the right side, <laughs> just continuing to run a lot of the very same play. A lot of people are clamoring for Thomas Brown to be the play caller, not in a couple of weeks, but right now. Is it too soon to make that move to hand over play calling duties to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown? I mean, I don't think Frank Reich's going to do that. Um, this is his, you know, he built his own reputation on play calling. And I mean, I suppose, I don't even know if it got to the point where if, if he was forced to give up play calling this early, if Reich would do it. Um, but you know that that's if it keeps going down this road, then absolutely. That, that I think you're going to hear the the news, or excuse me, the noise and the clamoring get just louder and louder. But kind of like I said with Bryce, I, I'm not I, I'm not ready to 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 kind of flush Frank Reich as a play caller after four games. Um, I, you know the the Seahawks game looked pretty good offensively now i know the run pass balance got got ugly Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i think i think some of this here's what i feel like honestly i think in its simplest form it feels like the panthers are trying to protect bryce young and that means not they were never going to run him a lot but like their unwillingness to even like have him keep you know, on some options, some naked bootlegs, which would be terrific down in the red zone because nobody thinks they're going to let Bryce Young run. run. Um, the play calling last week that, that you referenced, like they were, they were fright. They played scared. They played scared against that Vikings um, zero blitz. And, and they're like, let's just get it out of his hands and we'll try to, and, you know, in theory, it made some sense the first few times you did it. Get, getting him some confidence. I mean, he did complete 18 passes in a row, but how many of those right. were at behind, behind or just past the line of scrimmage? There was a lot, and I'm with you, Joe. Like, I, it, it doesn't make sense to me, and it seems like you're trying to make sense of it a little bit as well. I mean, Frank Reich has given us nice production as an offensive mind in his Colts tenure, working with a bunch of different QBs. And you look at the offensive line, you look at the wide receivers, there are plenty of people pointing to the lack of talent in both of those rooms right now as the reason it's not working for Frank Reich, the play caller, or Bryce Young, the QB. Joe, I keep going back to the offensive line. I just think that is the most dramatic difference of what we thought coming into the season to what it's looked like in preseason and especially after that Brady Christensen injury. How many problems get fixed or something close to it if the offensive line is just even average at this point? I think it would look better. I think it would definitely look better. And But but having said that, when they looked good last year, the O-line, they were running that downhill power running attack. But Steve Wilkes and Ben McAdoo and Deontay Foreman and Bradley Bozeman. But this year they're running more zone schemes like almost exclusively. And I don't know if that fits, especially I mentioned Bozeman. I don't know that that's really in his wheelhouse. Um, I, I, we'll see when Austin Corbett comes back. You know, I, I think he's, I think he has 
the ability to, to, to fare well as, you know, either in downhill attack or zone. Um, but I never thought that, that, you know, that we'd be sitting here in October, early October, talking about how important Brady Christensen and Austin Corbett are to this team, because without them, it has been a mess up front. Uh, Chandler Savala has struggled. I don't think, I think Throckmorton has done okay, but I mean, Savala's really struggled. Icky Aquanu has taken a step back in year two. And I think that's been disheartening because, you know, last year at this time, I think most of us were saying, well, hey, at least they've got left tackle figured out. That was a black hole for so long. But, yeah, the line and then, I mean, we hadn't even talked about Hayden Hurst. And, you know, he's kind of missing person. And this was supposed to be the guy and the scheme that was going that would be married in a very productive part and piece of this offense and it has not even come close to to looking like that yeah as you mentioned going down the list there are a lot of problems offensively specifically with this football team that's the voice of joe person of the athletic find him on twitter at joseph person you can also check out his work and recent articles like the one discussing how it might be time for a rebuild something that just dropped a couple of days ago by you joe in the headline it mentions could trading brian burns be a part of it Still an odd situation. You continue to go in the offseason without getting a deal done. Now here we are a month into the season. Still no long-term extension reach for Brian Burns and the Carolina Panthers. What are the chances the Panthers actually trade Brian Burns this time, unlike they did when they had the opportunity in the middle of a regular season? I mean, I think there's a chance. The problem is now is by holding on to him as long as you have and not getting a deal done, the return is going to be much less than what the, the Rams offered them last year, which was two first and a third, which was a huge haul. And I, I remember people in the organization telling me that, listen, it's easier to replace this right after Christian McCaffrey, by the way. So I think it was like, boy, do we really want to let, our best player on each side of the ball go. And I think how the Panthers rationalized it was McCaffrey, a running back in this league, um, was the, and, and this was not something they realized, you know, what I mean, uh, before signing McCaffrey to the extension, but it would be easier to replace a running back than it would a premier pass rusher. And now you look and see what, what McCaffrey's done in San Francisco, and you wonder if, if they got enough out of that trade with, with the 49ers. But back to Burns. So I, I, if you were to get – if you had one team, maybe Marty Herney's team, which could stand another uh, edge rusher, if you had one team offer you first and something else, then I, I, I think I'd do it. I mean – I. I know Brian Burns likes it here. He, he, you know, he's he's been a terrific player. You know, not necessarily to the level of a Bosa, but he's a very good player, good locker room guy. But but you know, at what point? I mean, you get a first round pick back, which you don't have by virtue of the the trade with Chicago and the Bryce Young move. 
So it's something I would think very long and hard about. Joe, last question before we get you out of here. Lots of people writing in on the text line and asking us about David Tepper's meddling ways and how Bryce Young was a pick because David Tepper wanted Bryce Young to be the selection. And then they'll reference the time when Frank Reich was supposedly very interested in C.J. Stroud because he hadn't had a quarterback that he's worked with under 6'4". My question to you is how much does David Tepper actually deserve the meddling narrative that he received so often? I mean, it's, he, he's very involved. He, he is very involved. Um, and, and, you know, and any owner would be involved when you've got the number one pick. I thought Tepper and, and Nicole were, were extremely involved. I mean, it was obvious. They're vis- mm-hmm. visible at all the pro days. They go to dinner. And and that's fine, but you don't want to get so involved that the the football people feel like they maybe can't pick their guy. And I'm with you. I mean, my read early on in the in the pre-draft process, beginning with when they met with Derek Carr at the combine, was that Frank Reich, given his druthers, would prefer a big quarterback. Um, whether that's Derek Carr, who's not huge, but bigger than Bryce Young, or if they were going to go the draft route, Richardson or Stroud. And, um, I mean, they they all but said that. Like, that, that Frank Reich told the story, I think it was on draft night, that he goes into the first meeting. Maybe Bitter told the story. Right after he got hired, so late January, early February, they're having a, a draft meeting. Fitter says we're going to go around the room and see what 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 everyone would like quarterback. This is scouts, assistant GM, so forth. And according to Fitter, it was unanimous for Bryce. And and Frank Reich wasn't there yet. Like he wasn't at that point. And he said, and Fitter said, take your time, you know, no rush. And then eventually they got on the same page. So I think that tells you where Frank Reich was at the beginning of the process. And, uh, but you know, listen, it's again, it's a, it's been a horrible month, but it's only been a month. So I, I know it's hard in this league to take a breath. And I mean, this, this season is going to, is going to be a wash at this point, regardless, but maybe if you get through this season later on in the year thinking, okay, Bryce actually is looking pretty good. It looks like he's going to be our guy. Then you consider it a win, but, but they're not there yet. Yeah, that just comes down to your uh, view on life. Is it a good thing that there's a lot of season left or a bad thing? I don't know. I, I hope it's a good thing. I hope it's a good thing, but only the Carolina Panthers can answer that. That is the legendary Joe Person joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Go follow him on Twitter. I imagine you probably are already, at Joseph Person of The Athletic. Joe, we appreciate the time, uh, as always, my man. Thanks again. Walker, have a great week, man. Hey, man, you too. Appreciate it. That was good stuff. Uh, I don't know if you would expect anything else, but that was great stuff. We'll put that interview on our website, WFNZ.com. Plenty more Panthers conversation, but we'll switch gears. We'll talk a little basketball, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to give you the top five takeaways from Hornets Media Day coming up next on Wesson Walker with Josh Fitty Marlowe filling in Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, except we don't have the West part of the title. Instead, we have me, Josh Fitty Marlowe filling in, and also Colin Hoggard, the historian Hoggard. I love it. He's in. He's going to talk some Charlotte Hornets with us in just a moment, but I'm also going to take advantage of this moment, having management in the studio Uh by taking care of one of the reads. The NASCAR Cup Series is returning to Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Bank of America Roval 400, and WFNZ has your chance to win tickets. If you want a shot to see all of the playoff action, text RACE. Only race, R-A-C-E, text race to 704-570-9610 to get registered to win. One more time, text race, four tickets to the Bank of America, Roval 400, 704-570-9610 to get registered to win. How do you like it, boss? Well done. Okay. Well done. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm asking for praise for something that is real minor that you ask <laughs> of us radio hosts to get some money, but I'll take praise any way I can get it. Um, I imagine that's true for the Carolina Panthers as well. Feels like people are feeling your Panthers takes here recently. Go to WFNZ.com. Go listen to the epic rant that Colin went on discussing the latest loss and just how bad this Panthers team has looked so far in the early start. We talked with Joe Person just there mentioning David Tepper being involved in the draft process Mm. a lot. Mm. And, And I asked just how deserving is Tepper of the meddling narrative and basically, Joe Person talked about how much involved he is. And he's a little worried about him not letting the football people do the football type of stuff. And so I th- that was the biggest takeaway to me because it just has so it has such a an impact on the organization, both in the now, Colin, and the future. And GMs will go away. You're about to find out with Scott Fitter if things don't get fixed. Yep. Coaches will go away. You did see that with Matt Rule. Even if you think you gave him too long of a leash, Matt Rule still got fired as the first coach fired last year in the regular season. Owners don't. They don't go away like that. And David Tepper, if he's going to be involved in the decision-making process, then that's a problem that isn't going to go away, Colin. You have to acknowledge that sometimes these guys like to play with their human action figures, and that's kind of what it seems like we've got going on right now. And I do think, though, that people underestimate generally the involvement of owners. I agree. I, I, I totally I, agree. I, you know, I, we Jerry Richardson did an interview 15 years ago where he said the hardest decision he ever had to make was cutting John Casey. If Jerry Richardson's involved in cutting a kicker, how many decisions do you think he's not involved in? And so, yeah, I, I think we're seeing it. I mean, I, I'm openly questioned at this point whether Frank would have selected Bryce because it doesn't feel like he has the confidence that other guys, other teams that have picked their quarterback in this draft, uh, it doesn't seem like he has the same confidence in his guy that we certainly are seeing uh, you know, out there in Houston. And I'm hoping that Carolina can get back on track with Bryce Young because, it, look, David Tepper is involved. Clearly, he's very involved. I, it doesn't mean that Bryce Young is the wrong pick yet, okay? Mm-hmm. Nope. C.J. Stroud looks great. Anthony Richardson looks great. Very good. 
And it's really hard when those guys are having success with the Houston Texans, having two wins in a row, Anthony Richardson beating, you know, or at least the Colts, you know, looking very good with Shane Steichen running the offense. And yes, it all looks bad right now, but it doesn't mean that Bryce Young is this monster bust. Hopefully he can figure things out. The offensive line needs to get a lot better and the coaching needs to get a lot better. And I know you have had a real problem with what Frank Reich has been doing with this team. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not impressed. We know that you need to take some deep shots. It feels like the defense defenses are creeping up and creeping up throughout the course of the game and you're not making them pay. You did go deep down the left side to Chark on one and you got it you got a 5-yard penalty. You got a first down out of it. That's a mission. That's a that's a success. You didn't get the yardage you wanted out of it. But I think that we saw an extremely conservative game plan that did not put the hands or put the ball in the hands of the quarterback who you took at one. And to me that's just confusing. I've called him the little fighter pilot. I think you have to let him be that. You cannot sit there and try and coddle him. Throughout this throughout this season, you got to let him try and play. All right, are you looking for salvation with the Charlotte Hornets, or do you know better? <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is the time of the year. We have endured the the second half misery time and time again, where things just haven't gone our way. We've done that for for decades. I do like to start my seasons with a little bit of optimism, yep. believing that maybe this year can be different. Even though, even though I'm fully aware. Eh, Probably not. Okay, yeah, I, I've equated it to, I think there's a commercial illustrating this, where f- trying to find salvation with the Charlotte Hornets from the Panthers is like running away from the guy with a machete and then going into a shed full of sharp objects and thinking that you're safe there. That's the thing that I equate yeah, norm- to trying to find some kind of solace with the Hornets. Normally when we get the Panthers-Hornets crossover, it's a group of fans yelling, fire the coach during the postgame show yeah. or something like that. That's kind of crossovers we've gotten recently that's that's correct but but you're right colin we should start the season with some positivity let's do it and boy the charlotte hornets are doing that as well i mean i'm going to give you the top five takeaways from hornets media day colin was there he was glad handing he was networking talking to everybody over there and it was a decent amount of people compared Passing to out these nuts it was a good day oh <laughs> <laughs> We probably mentioned that a little too much on the air yesterday, <laughs> but I stand by it. We got a lot of texts. Doug it was Branson, fun. my it Locked On Hornets co-host, told me that we were school children. But Terry Rozier, I think he was feeling it. It and, was fun. And was uh, fun. maybe I should use different phrasing with the flavor of that candy bar. All right, top five takeaways. Speaking of hope, Colin, whew, a lot of Brandon Miller praise. That's mm. the top one. What mm. you got for me, Fitty? Number one. Number one storyline. The glowing review from everyone about Brandon Miller. Here's Terry Rozier when we were interviewing him at the Spectrum Center just yesterday. He could just hoop. He got the he got the perfect pace that you you can't teach already for you know for for a young guy rookie. I think he, uh, they say he look up to PG. I don't really see too much far far off from him. And he said he was the best player in the nation. That's what yeah. he said about Paul George. Yeah. Well, you know that's yeah, that's just the young guys coming up. I, I don't argue that, man. I, I, let the youth, I let the young guys be the young guys. But uh, his pace and, and, and how just how unselfish he is. He can play with or without the ball. And like I, I'm already I'm seeing this in three weeks and. Trust me, I, I, I know he's going to be, he's going to wake a lot of people up. You can call me naive if you want to. That's totally fine. We usually hear the cliche remarks from the veterans about the rookies that step foot in that organization where they say they look great, they're really talented, can't wait to be a mentor, whatever cliche comment. It's not totally unlike the content Terry Rozier is giving us, but I can tell you the emotion is different. Terry Rozier seemed very genuine. Colin, you were there. You can mm-hmm. be a witness to this. 
Terry Rozier seemed very different talking about how impressed he was watching Brandon Miller. And by the way, this is not high-functioning, organized basketball. Steve Clifford talked about the best way for these guys to get in shape and get ready for the season is really throwing the basketball out there and letting them run fives. And honestly, the way these players give you their respect, that's an environment that's hard to earn respect. Mm -hmm. And Brandon Miller earning it from somebody like Terry, who is smiling ear to ear, talking about the second overall selection. That's my top storyline from uh, yesterday, Colin. I'm with you, and I've got a couple questions for you about Miller. But real quick on that, I think there's one thing in particular that you can hear with Terry. and, and, And Coach Clifford referenced this. Brandon Miller is not typical in the sense that he catches the ball and it stops. And and with a lot of young players, not only does the ball stop, but they'll immediately put it on the ground. That's not Brandon Miller's game. He sees the floor well, and he's a good enough shooter. So if, if he's wide open, nobody balks at him pulling up for that shot. At the same time, he keeps that ball moving I, I'm very curious to see because he's he's bigger than most of our wings have been here recently, and we've talked about that plenty of times about how I don't like being a small team. Brandon Miller is a bigger guy in that regard, not necessarily in terms of you know bulk, but in terms of height, and he's you know got long arms, all that. I I'm I'm excited to see him, but I did go back and look because I'm trying to figure out what are reasonable expectations for Brandon Miller entering year one. Paul George was a name that we 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 heard a lot about. His rookie season, he played 20, 21 minutes a game and averaged just about eight points a game. Well, and and I believe the shooting percentage, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you have those numbers in front of you, but Paul George was the athlete that the Pacers drafted out of Fresno State that became an all-around player in the first three years. You had the Danny Granger stardom that mm-hmm. he was fulfilling the shoes of after he was starting to become the old player basically because of injuries, which some people did compare to Brandon Miller, that of Danny Granger. All that to say, I think Brandon is in a really good spot this year because it's a second overall team that the face of the franchise doesn't change because you're the second overall pick. It's still LaMelo. Mm-hmm. I think that matters. Portland, it does with Scoot Henderson. Yes. Spurs, it does with Victor Weminyama. It does not with the Charlotte Hornets. And I think that is a good thing to not put all that responsibility on Brandon Miller. Come in, knock down shots, make the right play. We saw that in the summer league, except we wanted him to be more aggressive mm-hmm. because there wasn't as much talent. There's going to be more talent here. But look, I, I'm, I'm too old to mess with summer league. I'm just too old. Until they put all-time point guards <laughs> out there, I'm just not interested in, in whatever it is. You, I don't care if it's the same guy. I don't care if you got Chauncey Billups. Just just running point guard for both and don't even guard him. That's fine. <laughs> but it's uh, it, the summer league is so bad. To your point, uh, Paul George was a 29% three-point shooter. It was really year three, year four, where you saw him getting his you know, finding who he is in mm-hmm. this league. I do think Brandon Miller comes in a little more polished than than Paul George did. And, and even if it's like 34, 35, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not it's not good for a rookie season, but it means that he can let that thing fly and we'll feel good about it. All right, Fiddy, hit the button. We've got the second main takeaway that I had from Hornets Media Day. Number two. Steve Clifford called this the most talented team that he's ever had. Mm. And he talked about this is his 10th year as a head coach in the NBA. Here's Steve Clifford talking about that, how we're young, but as I mentioned it, as he mentioned, it's still the most talent he's ever coached. To me, I would say that, you know, this will be, they told me this morning, this will be my 10th year as a head coach. And in terms of just talent, talent, you know, this will be the most talented team that I've coached. Now we're young. Mm -hmm. He talked about them being a playoff team this year. Mm -hmm. People raised an eyebrow at that. 
Steve Clifford said this last year at the luncheon, though, mm-hmm. about how they were the most talented team he's ever coached. And that was, okay, Miles Bridges not knowing exactly what was going to happen there. So now he's back. You add the second overall selection. You have Mark Williams with another year under his belt where he gets rotation minutes after Christmas time last year. I'm not surprised at all to hear if you knew that he said it last year, then of course this team only gets that much more talented unless you're a monster believer in Kelly Oubre. And maybe you don't think that <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the only reason. Look, but, man, I'm but not it was surprised. Great having a bench score. It was great. Having <laughs> it was. a bench score it for was. a year. It was, it was, what do you make of those comments from Steve Clifford? Look, I, I, I understand what coach is saying. I think, I, I think it, he, I think it's, you know, coaches are going to say things like this at this time of the year, but I don't want to dismiss it because I do think that injuries last season really, you know, took took the entire season away as long as well as the the, the Bridges situation. Coming into this year, I, I I I agree with them. How many years do we go into a Hornet season feeling like you know who the top eight or nine guys are, and that's where this team is right now with a lot of guys that you feel optimistic about. I've said it before. You have three guys that are 22 or younger. And Lamelo, Mark Williams, and Brandon Miller that are going to be here for three plus years. We have never had a young core like this. Zoe, Kendall Gill, and LJ were together for a single season. This should be the best run that we have with a young core in the history of this organization if things go well. It's crazy to say it, but you're not wrong. It goes to show the history of this organization. Yes, yes. I'm, not, I'm not trying to oversell yes. our current trio. Yes. I'm just saying, given the other trios we've had, I have more confidence in this. All right, let's move on to the third storyline and talk about the leader of that trio we're discussing. Number three. I thought the third biggest storyline was LaMelo making that transition. You could argue this should be higher, but LaMelo making that, that, that transition going from a player that was still and still is on a rookie contract. But now we all know who the franchise is investing in. It's official. They're giving LaMelo the bag. Terry Rozier, I asked him when he was at the podium about if there's some kind of unspoken transition in leadership. And he said, yeah, <laughs> like we all know what it is now. When you get 200 M's, you are the dude, and there is no guessing, oh, he might get 180. What is it? No, he's the guy. He gets the max extension, and he's wearing ankle braces, which is nice as well. That's a big storyline. <laughs> Please stay healthy and play more than 36 games. What do you make of the LaMelo storylines coming out of media day? I think we forgot how good he is, and, and not just here locally, but I think even nationally. He did only play 36 games. It's got to improve. But in those 36 games, he averaged 23.3 points per game, and 8.4 assists per game. All time, all time in the NBA, 23 and 8 at 23 and younger, you're talking about six names all time. Luca, Trey Young, Oscar Robertson, John Morant, Tiny Archibald, LaMelo Ball. Mm. You want to say, okay, but, mm. but what about period, Colin? Well, since 2000, aged independent, there have been 11 guys to average 23-8 and eight for a season. Some of them have done it multiple times. LeBron, Trey, Luka, Russ, Harden, Jokic, Ja, Dame, John Wall, Steph Curry, and shout-out to the glove, Gary Payton sneaking in there 2000-2001. 11 guys since 2000. This is These are the numbers that he was putting up last season. And I wish we would have gotten him to see him all, all year, but now you add in the extra wing help he's going to have this season. What I hate is that somehow the storyline became the exact opposite of what it was surrounding him his rookie year. Remember when we talked about how LaMelo was affecting winning right now, Mm -hmm. and that's why he was the rookie of the year? And now it's the exact opposite. Now he's viewed as this empty stats guy. 
Go back and listen to Brian Windhorst talk about how rookies, it's hard for them to affect winning as soon as they step foot on an NBA court, but he was doing that. He was helping that team, and now he's viewed as this empty stats guy that gets a little ball hoggy when you look at last year. Who else do I want scoring? Mm-hmm. Who else am I looking to go let it fly? It's LaMelo. So I get some of those concerns, but also it just it's not only changed a lot, it's changed the exact opposite of where it was at the beginning of his career. Well, I mean, two years ago, he was going viral on a nearly nightly basis, it seemed like. You know, the, the, the Bally social account was over the moon because LaMelo. And then last year, not so much because of because of the injuries. This kid's still just 22 years old and is at an incredible level. And the great thing about it is I don't think he cares if he gets 23. Oh, he doesn't. He could get 17 and be fine. And, and with, with the other guys on his team being supported by him, being being put in positions by him to be successful, and that that's what makes his game so great. All right, let's move on quickly. Let's get to the fourth biggest takeaway from Hornets Media Day. Number four. I think integrating Miles Bridges back is a big deal. Asked about that with Steve Clifford. Talked about how, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, right now you know you're going to have him suspended for the first 10 games. Mm-hmm. So now you got to figure out what combination you want to roll with. Gordon Hayward, P.J. Washington, and Brandon Miller, who told you, he told you, Brandon Miller is going to have a significant part of this team immediately. Like, he's going to get rotation minutes, and that's going to happen as soon as they play game one, October 25th. And so now, okay, Brandon Miller comes in. How well does he play? Thing is, you can't really prepare for what happens in those first 10 games. Like, do you ride a hot hand? Does that change? And that's part of being a head coach. Fascinated to see how Steve Clifford handles Miles Bridges being suspended the first 10 games and what the rotation looks like after he's ready to come back. Yeah, it's it's going to be a huge piece. You know, the, the guys are all in. Saw, you know, Mello and him joking around yesterday at media day. But man, just you talking about that lineup. Think about think about the lineup that they could trot out there now with Mello, Brandon Miller, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, Mark Williams. When was the last time we had a lineup that big to be oh, able to run out? There? And we talked about it leaving the arena yesterday. Lamelo is a tall dude mm-hmm. handling the ba- mm-hmm. basketball back there. It's crazy. They're long. They're big. You're absolutely right. And Bridges, you know, coach coach said that he looks better than he thought he would at this point in time. You know, it seems like he's he's you know staying. In shape, there's nothing quite like NBA game shape, so that will certainly take a little bit of time. But there can be no dispute that, you know, adding both Brandon Miller and Miles Bridges to the wing of this team make this team a more interesting and more explosive team. Clifford always been a big rhythm guy. Said Miles Bridges has a lot more rhythm coming into the season than he thought. Steve Clifford got some soul. I'm telling you, (laughs) big time rhythm guy. Main soul. (laughs) (laughs) Last one, main takeaway, the final one of the top five from Hornets Media Day. Number five. I think center rotation and skill set. I think Mark Williams telling you we gave him the over-under on three points attempted this upcoming season. He said over 10. Mm-hmm. Talked about it at the podium with the rest of the media that was there. Nick Richards also possibly going to be shooting the three-point shot. So that's a part of the skill set. And, of course, the rotation being that Kai Jones is not on the roster. He's not at media day. He's not going to be participating in training camp. So just an interesting revolving door there at center. Even if you have your main guy in Mark Williams, skill set, interesting to me. And the guy that isn't there is interesting to me. A guy whose screens I do want to see, uh, Mark Williams. <laughs> I, I, he, he's, he's a big fella. I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to be. I, I, we'll see. I, I believed in the Cody Zeller three-point shot too. So That's true. I, I've, I've been here. 
I've been here. <laughs> You're so right about that. Uh, by the way, it doesn't have to shoot threes for me to no, for no. him to be effective. Um, pick and pop was there. Phoenix game comes to mind, hitting a couple mid-range jumpers. I, I think even that, giving Melo the ability to operate in space at the rim where it's something he struggles with, I think even Mark Williams just extending 15 feet out, I think that's going to be a big difference offensively. One thing I'm looking for this year, Melo has averaged three free throws a game pretty much throughout his career. Mark Williams and him working together. I want to see that yep. number bump up a little bit more. And I think Mark can be a guy that can help him, you know, get not that he needs a ton of help to get to the rim, but I do think that the, the pick and roll game with him will help. Uh, could help Melo get that, that uh, free throw total higher. Excited about the pick and roll game between those two. Mm-hmm. Now that you have, hopefully Lamelo's healthy. <sighs> we'll knock on wood again. And our game's going to be sweet. Hearing coach Clifford say, we got a team that's built to play fast. Yeah. Let's go. Pace, baby. Pace. Yes, All right. That is Colin Hoggard. You can go check out his Panther rants on WFNZ.com. And you can also listen to him every weekday from 10 to 12 Charlotte sports today with boss man, Jeff Rickard. Uh Cody Martin. Yeah, it's a bit, it's <sighs> the thing is lingering and it continues. Yep. It goes yep. on he and on not, and on. He, if, and I'm not trying to put anything on. He did not, he was not smiling the way you would think if he was coming off of an injury that he felt a whole lot better about entering a new season with. Couldn't give you any clarity at the podium right. either. Right. Nobody's giving us clarity on it. And, and I don't blame him. I mean, Derek Rose went through the same thing. He got a surgery and it just didn't feel right. I hate it for him. Uh, I really, I really wish we'd have him back. Let's I take mean, a, and we'll have him back, but I wish he'd be able to play. For sure. All right, that's Colin. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with a visit to the mound. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Biddy, I have a question for you. I just wanted to know if you were angry at me for outsourcing your airtime a couple of segments in a row with Joe Person and your boy, Colin Hogger, joining us the last couple of segments. I wasn't until, you know, we went to break late, and now this visit to the mound that I lost sleep over putting together last night has been cut short. Yeah, just for everybody that knows, he has known about visit to the mound since... <laughs> like 11.13. Uh, 11.13. <laughs> yeah, just to, just to let everybody know that's not exactly true, but because he... <laughs> He is griping about it. Let's waste no more time and go to today's Visit to the Mound. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, Dad. It's going to be a short game and i got to get home for lunch. The funny dog was as ugly as you. I'd shave his butt and tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked. She's naked. You think she'd go out with me? don't know about you guys. I know fall officially becomes official. I think it's September 22nd. I don't recognize it until the calendar the, the calendar flips to October. 
and playoff baseball. Probably my second favorite sport to consume from a postseason standpoint outside of the NFL is uh, is underway, and it does get started today with uh, four wild card matchups uh, getting started. But before we get to them, because I want to ask you which one has your attention the most, I want to do what I do really good as a Met fan, which is complain. And it's not foul line worthy, because I understand the optics behind it. But on Sunday before the final game, Buck Showalter made it known that he would not be asked back to manage the Mets for a third year. A decision that everybody in the baseball community knew was coming because he doesn't fit the mold that David Stearns wants because he's not an analytical guy. Here's my problem. David Stearns was introduced yesterday as the first ever president of baseball operations for the Mets. And if a guy that has that title and has that type of power, be a man. Fire him yourself. Don't let Steve Cohen, the owner, who meddles a lot like David Tepper does here with the Panthers, don't have him do it on the Sunday before the final game where you go and get two hit in the in the final game of the year. Luckily, we got to send him out with an ovation, um, and the fan base got to show how much they love and thanked him for all he did, winning almost 180 games in two years for the Mets, which for that organization is a lot. Um, this is one of the most respected managers in all of baseball. Maybe the best regular season manager of all time without a World Series championship. So if you want to fire him, that's fine. But make that your first duty of operation. Don't have the owner do it. Am I wrong in saying that you wanted him to leave the team as well? Or you don't necessarily have a problem with the decision itself, just the way that it was handled? Uh, Yes and no. Like I, I'm going to miss Buck because, I mean, a baseball guy through and through. But he doesn't fit what the organization wants to do from top to bottom. He doesn't build his lineup based off of numbers. The Mets are going to be a, a major market, Tampa Bay Rays, Cleveland Guardians. That's how they're going to build their team. All right, so sorry you can't pick the Mets. I'll rub it in one final time. But you can pick one of these other teams that are actually in the postseason. What series has your attention the most? And then I can answer as well. Fiddy, who you got? The sexiest matchup is the Rangers and the Rays. I mean, Tampa got off to that great start. We adopted them for like two months, and then we unadopted them midway through. I don't think you can do that. I don't know if you, you can or you not. You shouldn't. You should not do that at all. But it felt like we did because I was being forced to talk about them. Then we quit talking about them. And then Texas, they're, you know, Scherzer hurt, DeGrom hurt, but they get Eovaldi back. That team hits the long ball as good as any team. But I'm going to go to my division in the NL East. Yeah. The Marlins and the Phillies. The Marlins... The last two times they made the postseason in a full 162 uh, year, you know what they did, Walker? What they do? They won the World Series. The Phillies, what they do last year? They made the World Series. These teams love to play close games. October is full of them. I think whoever wins that series has a very good chance to make a deep run in October. Um, I completely agree. I was looking up this NL East division uh, rival series that we're about to get between the Marlins and the Phillies, and both teams are some de- – well, and look, I know there's a lot of love for the Phillies possibly winning all, winning it all just because of the hot ending they got to. I know you know a little bit more, but I knew yeah. there was a stretch that they went on, and, of course, the Marlins, who nobody really expected to be here at the beginning beginning of the season here they are so that is exactly the series that i would point to and say that is the one that i am most interested in what else do you have for us on the uh, visit to the mound fitty all right so there was a little bit of an update and i know mac and bone kind of touched on this this morning i sent you an article last night about an update of major league baseball coming to north carolina and i say north carolina because it appears if the guy that's going to kind of head this uh 
movement up. Doesn't want to bring a team to the Queen City, which because he owns the Carolina Hurricanes, he believes that Raleigh is the best place to put a baseball team. And you, if you get into the numbers population, Raleigh does have a good candidate to host a to have a baseball team there. My problem is, is Charlotte is the only city that has a pro football, pro basketball, pro soccer team that doesn't have a Major League Baseball team. There are other cities in the country that have it. My question to you, Walker, is, is that should North Carolinians still be excited if baseball does come to North Carolina, but it's in the Triangle area and not here in the Queen City? I would absolutely pull for a baseball team that was here in North Carolina and was playing their home games in Raleigh instead of Charlotte. I would like for them to be in Charlotte because I am a Charlottean. Mm -hmm. I want to go to the games. I want them. I want to be able to make the impromptu decision to go to a game and not have to drive two and a half hours instead, instead driving 20 minutes. That's what I would like. But we talked about this a little bit in that when you created BB&T Ballpark, now Truist Field, it was never really going to be able to be expanded because of the close proximity in which the buildings are in relation to it. And so you could go to a different spot. It doesn't mean that you can only go uptown or nowhere else. But that's the reason why you created that stadium within the last, I guess, what, seven years or so now is how old it is. And it would seem weird to then go to a big major league stadium somewhere in the city while also having the AAA affiliate. Don't know what would happen there. So that's why it would feel a little weird to me. I would still pull for them if they there was an actual Major League Baseball team in Raleigh. I, I, I still think there's a undeveloped uh, property in Rock Hill that I think we could build a baseball stadium with great parking and everything around it to, to attract a team to the quote-unquote Charlotte area. Here's a quick question for you, top of the dome type of stuff. This is how we're going to know if you're good or not. We did the whole naming a team in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. If we get a team in Raleigh, Carolina is probably going to be the first name. As we you know, got the Carolina Hurricanes, what would be the uh, what would be the mascot? I don't know why. Why are you seeing if this is a trivia question that I can answer no, correctly? No, well, like you know, like remember we tried to name a Charlotte area team. If we're going to Raleigh, like you know, I don't think you go with the Carolina Cigarettes, even though it could be very appropriate. What about the Pitmasters? That's good. You like that, Carolina Pitmasters? I'm with it. It just came to me. I don't know how. It's not anything I prepared for. But something spoke to me. Maybe ghosts were coming out of the cornfield and telling me, Pitmasters Walker, <laughs> if you name them, they will come. That'll do it for we Visit to the We know Willie P would be there. Oh, yes. Yes, he would. Yes, except not the dry briskets. I don't think we should name the team that. That would not sound very good. That'll do it for Visit to the Mound. One more hour to go here on Wes and Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.